Morning, Adam. Jack, how are you? Jack is fine today. Been a great day so far. That's good. Even little computer glitches. Ah, that's that's part of the course. What are you gonna for, do? That's right. That's part of the course for today, or for for most of us, as we're dealing with technology. Technology, good things, not so good things at times. But uh, I'm very excited today, Jack, uh, for a number of reasons. Wait, but, wait let me guess. Yeah. Let me guess. Uh, I'm looking please. over the glass, and I see we have a visitor. There we go. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what it's going to be, right? We have a guest on today. They were they were very excited. <clears throat> we're very excited to to, to bring on. And uh, we'll bring Julie in here in a second, but you know, we're excited to kind of have her share her story. She's an entrepreneur, like all of us, but she uh, <clears throat> kind of broke a lot of the rules along the way. And she's excited to, to talk about it, as well as her latest entrepreneurial uh, um, uh, excursion here, which has led to her writing a children's book. And she's going to tell us the story, how, you know, how it all started, kind of take us along the way. Uh, but we're very excited to get a chance for Julie to kind of be able to kind of share her story here today. So, Julie... Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, Julie. Hi, Jack. Hi, Adam. Good to see you today. Glad, glad you're able to, to join us and be able to kind of share some of your story with us today and, and give us a chance to, to, to learn about your background as well as your PR business, but then also talking about the, the new book that's getting ready to launch here very shortly. So we're excited to hear about that. But before we get into that, we want to give people a little flavor in terms of your background, in terms of your, your, your history in terms of your career, kind of how things kind of worked, but why don't you kind of give us a little background on yourself and we'll kind of get started that way, Julie. I have a very diverse background in marketing, advertising, and public relations, that's for sure. Um, I graduated from Miami University in Ohio with a degree in mass communications and media management with the goal of working in the field of advertising. Um, when I tried to find a job in Ohio after graduation, it's a smaller market. There weren't many jobs in advertising. I didn't have a lot of success. So I took a job for the first year out of college in banking. I was a Merrill Lynch account executive at Bank One. The perks were I got to fly to Manhattan every other week. The downside is I am not a financial person. I'm more right brain. <laughs> so after a year of that, I, uh, I started applying to advertising agencies on the East Coast where it's a lot bigger market, a lot more agencies to choose from. And I moved to Philadelphia to start my glamorous career in advertising as a media buyer, making no money, eating 20 peel and eat shrimp for a dollar at the bar below my apartment every night for dinner and a beer for 75 cents. <laughs> Times were tough. I sold my car. I walked to work every day. Um, and I had a lot of fun in advertising, even though the pay wasn't too great. There's a lot of perks, kind of like on the TV show Mad Men. Oh, you yeah. get free tickets to everything, the World <laughs> Series, you know, a lot of perks along the way. Um, so after four years of the big city life, the girl who said she was never coming back to Ohio, um, I came back and I took a job as the PR director at the Hyatt Regency Columbus. And uh, that was a really fun job. I was a spokesperson for the hotel. At the time, it was the largest hotel in the state of Ohio, a big convention hotel. Um, that was going very well until about October 19th, I believe it was 91, um, 700 Hyatt managers were laid off in the recession uh, in the same day. So um, then I went back to the advertising side. Um, an agency in Columbus wooed me away to work on the Crest Toothpaste account, and I put together the Crest Caring Team of Athletes program for Crest Toothpaste, um, working with, at the time, 28 major baseball league teams and traveling around the country, putting together in-game batting promotions. I think in Cleveland, our player was Sandy Alomar, Cincinnati, 
was Barry Lark and he was the team captain. And every time these players got hits, money went to the Crest Caring Program for Children. So that was a great, great job. Um, and so I was still in Columbus um, and then the agency decided to expand and open a Cincinnati office so that we could grow the PNG business. And so I came down here to open the office and um, they also put me on the Greater Cincinnati Convention and Visitors Bureau account because of my background in the hotel industry. Uh, what happened was my client actually booed me away and I became the first ever director of tourism um, for the Convention and Visitors Bureau. So along the way, transitioning between jobs, I um, had my son. And when he was about 18 months old, the daily grind of working full-time nine to five, schlepping the diaper bag in high heels, rushing out of meetings at 5 p.m. to get to daycare on time so you don't get fined, it got really, really old. So I did something that was very innovative at the time. I became a job share pioneer. I actually created a job. Um, another woman that was a colleague that was the marketing director at the museum center at the same time I was in the convention bureau was in the same boat where she wasn't permitted to go part-time or have any flexibility in her job. So one day I was in channel five, which is our NBC affiliate, WLWT editing a TV spot I saw a job posting on the bulletin board for a community affairs director, and it was a pretty good salary. And I called my friend at the museum center and I said, hey, why don't we go to Jim Clayton, the general manager? He knows us both. He likes us both. We'll make up a job share proposal and we'll share this job. And we did. We wrote a creative proposal. Um, it ended up actually being written up in Working Mother magazine. And we convinced him to hire us jointly for the position splitting the salary. Only one of us would take the benefits because the other one was going to go on her husband's plan. Um, we would overlap on Tuesdays, which we knew were the department head meetings. So they were really getting a six day work week out of each of us because we each worked three days. And one of those days we overlapped. Jim Clayton was wonderful. He had already done this in New York, which was a little step ahead of times and saw how great job shares worked. Um, so we loved it. We absolutely loved it. it. It allowed us to keep our careers, you know, stay in the market and still spend a couple of days off a week with our children. So that was great. Um, eventually she had another child decided <clears throat> to stay at home. So for a, a while, um, I was at channel 12 and then eventually I decided that I had to make a clean break and somehow start my own business to have the flexibility that I needed. So in my 40th year of life, I got divorced, started my consulting business, turned 40, did this all in a period of six months. I just made these big changes, took a gamble, and um, I've been self-employed since 2000 now with my PR consulting business. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So... <clears throat> Let's touch on a couple of things. So, so again, your background is tremendously diverse, right? So going from banking, Very. right, to, 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 to advertising, to hospitality, to I guess what I would call a kind of a quasi-governmental, right, with, with, with the Visitors Bureau yes. and, and, and local TV. And then now, okay, now you're going on on your own. And, and I love the fact you said, you know, being a job share pioneer of creating your own, you know, creating your own job. And of course, you gave an offer they couldn't refuse. They're looking for somebody for five days a week, and you offer six days a week, right? You not only yes. offered one, mind you, offered two. I mean, how could <laughs> how could they say no to you, right? Right. And uh, it's interesting from you know from that standpoint. If if you have some good people, the, the chance to break rules 
happen, right? And you know, I had a very similar experience when I was in New York. I, I was coming back from, from New York to, to Cleveland, and I worked out a deal where I split, divided my time between New York and Cleveland. And I spent half the time here in Cleveland, half the time there in New York, and going back and forth. But they may do because I was performing for them. So if you're doing well, the rules, I think it's going to come in with one of our themes here in terms of kind of breaking all the rules here. The rules don't necessarily apply if you can be a little creative and, you know, and kind of try some different things. And so, <laughs> so yeah. So and if you don't ask, you're never going to get absolutely that's the biggest and, you thing know, people still talk about the job share i stay in touch with many a few of my colleagues are still wlwt and everyone says it was the most one of the most effective job shares they'd ever seen we were so in sync that was back before we even had email so think about it we would write notes on a clipboard to each other every day of exactly what we did what needed to be done and we would call in on the voicemail system and live leave a voicemail and then of course we could call each other at home on our days off, it, no big deal, right? But everyone just said how seamless it was and how in sync we were. So, yeah, that was a good time. That's a wonderful point. I mean, people often talk about systems, and that's a great system. And systems don't always mean technology or, or IT. You know, having a system, you know, it could be a handwritten system. You know, as long as it's working to communicate, that's a that's a yes. wonderful thing. And so, okay, so it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice. It all kind of happened. At, it happened to be your fortieth year on the planet. These things all kind of kind of came together. So, yeah. okay, so. You, you, you went through a bunch of, okay, let's just kind of go and let's make it happen. And you probably had the confidence that, hey, I can make things happen. Now, did you just jump with nothing, nothing going on? Or did you have no. something already kind of started? Did you have a, did you have a client to kind of start with? Kind of talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I kind of dabbled uh, a little bit, you know, burned the candle, the midnight candle, midnight oil, so to speak, um, while I was in my last job and started just trying to do a few freelance projects on the side to see how they would fly. But I knew that I couldn't just hang up a shingle and say, oh, I'm going to quit my job and someone's going to hire me today. I had to have that base client that I could survive on while I built up the hourly business. So Doug Hall, who I still stay in touch with to this day, um, of the Eureka Ranch, had an ad in the paper for a part-time PR person to work 24 hours a week. And I knew of him. I knew his reputation. I knew he worked with Fortune 500 companies. I knew his P&G background. So I actually applied the old fashioned way as you did back then through the mail. They called me, I went in, Doug and I totally hit it off. Um, it was to promote his new book, which at the time was Jumpstart Your Business Brain. It was a book to help small businesses grow. And uh, I did his PR for that. I launched the book, did the book tour, did all his press during that time. Um, actually it was involved co-producing his radio show. He even, um, he took me under his wing and put me on his health insurance when I needed health insurance. And he, he let me work from home as long as I checked in at the ranch once in a while. And he knew, he understood that I was still trying to grow my hourly base too. He was very good about that, very supportive. Um, and in turn, I jumped through hoops for him. You know, he would call me at unusual hours. I took the call. I was just so grateful. After about two and a half years, the book tour wound down. There just wasn't enough to keep me busy. But it was okay. We kind of had a, a very good mutual parting of ways, and I still worked with him on projects occasionally, even up till a few years ago. Um, but I had enough hourly clients at that time that um, have turned into long-term clients that I was able to survive and thrive. Better watch out here, Jackie. I'm sure you heard part of that story. She helped, you know, produce his radio show. So she should probably be giving us some tips oh, yeah. and some pointers after this. She'll be giving us some notes about things oh, yeah, we got to do better for that. our show, right? I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay. So okay. So 
So, so, so Doug was Doug was key. That's often the case. We often hear that a lot, Julie, with, with folks who are looking to kind of you know take that jump, and it's often so scary, right? If, if, if it, to take that mm -hmm. jump, and all of a sudden I go from whatever my paycheck is now to, to, to zero, that they're always kind of freaking out. Versus, hey, I have a little something to kind of get started with helps to kind of cushion the blow and, and kind of make things start to happen and, and kind of go. And so that was the starting point. But now over the last twenty plus years. You've worked with a lot of different people over, over that time. You know, give us a little sense in terms of just the, the breadth of the type, types of things that you've had some time to kind of uh, work on and, and just some of the fun you've had doing that. I'll tell you, I've worked with just about every type of business you could ever imagine, from physicians to attorneys to car dealerships, probably about 20 authors I've promoted in my career, a lot of small business, a lot of startups who can't afford a big agency who's going to mark everything up, uh, they would come to me. Um, because, you know, I charge an hourly work or rate. I work a little bit differently. Um, so, I mean, I can't even name an industry that I haven't worked in. <laughs> if I listed everyone, I mean, I, I even one time had a, a corrugated pallet manufacturer. I mean, I've worked on business to business accounts, consumer accounts, and I actually love promoting the authors. I got very good at it. And, um, never dreamt of the day that I would become an author. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's, that's a good, that's a good segue here. So as you're kind of going along here, you, you, you've been having a lot of fun doing this for, for, for 20 years. And then all of a sudden something happened, right? And, and something unexpected, unplanned just kind of <laughs> happened. So talk about what happened about a year and a half ago that all of a sudden started to create a <sighs> shift where all of a sudden now you're kind of working two full-time gigs. And tell us a little bit about that story, Julie. I am. I'm up at 4 a.m. every day. Um, so when the pandemic, when the pandemic, what pandemic? We're in a <laughs> pandemic? I didn't know that. Right. When the pandemic hit, um, I was actually, first of all, I was fortunate. I still had clients with new stories to tell, the, the new normal. I know we're sick of hearing that term, but many of my clients, a physician client, I had a healthcare, a gym, a gym client, um, a cemetery, they all had new ways of operating and, and they wanted the world to know, here's what we're doing to stay safe. Here's what we're doing for the time being until we hold reopen. Hold on, hold and on, hold on. I have those random thoughts. Talk about you know, new ways of operating. Wait, so funeral homes and cemeteries change how the, you know, people are dying differently ten now? Pe <laughs> 10 people <laughs> for funeral. Small oh, okay, funeral. right, okay. I'm sorry. Limited I, I, in size, okay. still open for business, but the main office isn't open. You can have 10 people at outdoor funeral. It, it, very unusual the, stories but good reasons yeah. your point but your point but people often hear this with pr right which is there's no such thing as bad pr which is which is again here or there your point is hey whatever happens the question is what's newsworthy right so you're saying you found things that, that were newsworthy the fact that hey we're still open here's and here's what we're doing you, you create things to, to be to become newsworthy is, is that the way to kind of maybe think about that every single client every single client and I know what's newsworthy. Let me just say, I've been pitching stories so long. If someone doesn't have a story, I'm not crying wolf. It's my reputation. I've turned down so many people and said, that's not a story. But then again, I've taken something boring, sat down with a first time client, worked through it and said, okay, here's the angle we need to do to make this a viable story and not an evergreen story and something with a story peg. I specialize in doing that and I will never cry wolf. I mean, this sounds very cocky, but Every story I pitch, I, I know who to pitch it to and I, I know how to get the story and who to go to. Even um, my other client, um, Angel's Paws, they're a um, animal hospice, but they, and they also do home use, euthanasia and they'll come to you and put your pet down at, in the sanctity of your own home. 
well, just because there's a pandemic didn't mean that people weren't still grieving over their dying pet as well. So she found a safe way to do it outdoors in people's garages. And she still came to their house wearing a mask and found ways to do it without risking anyone's safety. So that was a really cool story. We got a ton of stories on that. Um, my client, Dr. Mendelssohn, uh, who's a plastic surgeon, was having drive selling products drive through outside his office. He wasn't doing drive through Botox or anything. He couldn't do that, but he was selling products still. There was a doctor right. in Miami that was doing that on his boat, apparently. I can, I can see they have them lined up right over here to get COVID tested over here, uh, yes, up your nose, Botox. and we'll go over here. We'll get some Botox over here. Right. And, yeah, right. Like get them all, get them all set up, ready to go. I love it. I love it. Oh, but um, so yeah, and, and my health club client, and then and then they reopen, and my health club client, since I sports club, is we want people to know we have we've opened our vents, we have the best filtration systems possible, we're social distancing, you know, we're taking temperatures at the door back when you still did that. So telling people don't be afraid, we're doing it in the safest manner possible. So everyone had their reopening procedure. So that was a whole nother way. In the meantime, though, on May 5th of 2020, my husband, who was a chief corporate pilot, flying a corporate jet for many years, um, 12 years, for a certain company, um, got downsized. His company got sold um, May 5th of 2020. The new company that bought his old company said, we can't afford to keep you. It's a pandemic. We're selling the plane. It doesn't make sense. And we're eliminating your job. So he had no notice. So on May 5th of 2020, I went with him at 4.30 in the afternoon and helped him clean out the hangar and say goodbye to the plane. And I start crying every time I tell this silly story because it was very emotional for him. Really emotional. I mean, this plane had been his baby. He knew all her quirks. He knew everything about her, how she handled, flew her three to four days a week for 12 years, took her all the way to Brazil. I mean, they've been through everything together. So I sat on the plane and I started crying and I said, this sounds silly, but isn't she going to wonder where you are? What's going to happen to her when she's sitting alone day after day? And he said, well, <clears throat> if someone doesn't start her engines up every 28 days, she's going to be in pretty bad shape. And so I went home and started writing a children's book that night called Astra the Lonely Airplane. Astra being the name of the original Gulfstream jet that was built in Israel. That's how I came up with the name. And I didn't really have the time to be writing a children's book. And I never thought I would write a children's book. It's never, ever been on my radar, but I just couldn't help it. I just had to tell this pandemic story about Astra. And I dedicated the book not only to my husband and my mother, my husband, Captain Dan, but to all the people that lost in the aviation industry that lost their jobs, either furloughed or permanently in the pandemic of 2020. And so I, I wrote this book and I made it rhyme because I've always been good at rhyming and I've always written birthday odes for clients and friends and they look forward to it. And I started pitching the book. I got a lot of rejection. I, I started pitching it probably in June of 2020. By August 19th of 2020, which is National Aviation Day, I signed with my publisher and my husband got a new job flying Astra. A local company bought her. So all the stars aligned <laughs> National Aviation Day. True. 
Right. Not not even planned. So there's so many things that, that, that seem to be your point that they line up just so nicely like this. Right? Okay. It's you, you can't predict it, right? And 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 as you're talking about this, I, I want to make sure one of our themes kind of comes through. So for for, for writing a children's book, right? To your point, you, you started to kind of do it your own way, I guess. You you, I you did. did some research I in terms did. of what, what people were, were expecting, but you know, mm-hmm. again, you always like look, know what the rules are before you break them, right? So t- talk about you know you mentioned one in terms of the whole yeah, rhyming. I, talk about this a little bit in terms of. What some of those restrictions were versus you doing it? Yeah. Yeah, I I did research. I talked to children's authors. I subscribed. I um, joined the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators and sat in on a lot of Zoom meetings with other authors because nothing was face-to-face and tried to learn as much as I could about children's books because I had never really promoted a children's book. All the authors I've worked with have written novels or biographies. So... um, the things that I learned it are, were that you were never, you were told never to do, never try to write a book about an inanimate object such as an airplane, never try to write a rhyming book. It's impossible unless it's spot on, which the book is, and um, never make a children's book over 32 pages. Well, mine's 44 pages. I've always, you know, marched to the beat of my own drum, and I just, I did. I broke the rules. You said it. Well, I just decided to do my own thing and I'm getting published. So don't listen to the rules. <laughs> well, that, that, that's, that whole thing about, that's good advice. Well, that, that whole rule about inanimate objects. I mean, it's obvious, Julie, that, you know, Astra was not inanimate to you. you just the way you described the no, May 5th. The, you she know, has you such you, a personality. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so she was not in, inanimate to you. I think that's part of the beauty of what the book does too. It brings, you know, reading the book, you know, you know, you can see it, you can feel the love and, and just the, the personality coming through. It's, it's a wonderful and, way to kind And of when it. you see the relationship between her and Captain Dan and her emotions, and she doesn't really talk to him in book two, she talks to her new friend. So she can talk to other planes and helicopters, but she and Captain Dan just kind of have this wink of an eye or a smile or a tear in a, in a, a communication that's just felt through the illustrations and language in the book. So I think I think my illustrator did a great job in captivating that. Um, I've also kind of thought outside the box on where to hold book signings. A lot of the schools are not having face-to-faces. Some of the bookstores are, some aren't. So I've really taken it to a new level and I'm, I'm doing my first signing next week at a wine bar. Now, who would think that wine and children's books go together? Um, we're having so wine goes with everything. It's like it's like thought it goes with everything. So it's wine. It's okay. It sounds <laughs> yeah. great. But but tell them you're thinking. This is this is a great reason why I love your I love your thinking on this, Julie. But yeah, wine goes with everything. So, um, in my community, of which I'm on the board of the College Hill Community Urban Redevelopment Corporation, we're having light up College Hill next Tuesday, December seventh, and there's all sorts of free holiday activities for the family. So what I'm doing is reading Astra the Lonely Airplane at our local wine bar, Marty's Hops and Vines. Marty is having light the night flights for the parents on one side of the room. Well, I'm doing the book reading and kitty cocktails on the other side of the room. And Captain Dan may show up in his pilot uniform if he's not flying that night, which he may be. But um, <laughs> so we're, we're doing a big thing and, and Marty's gonna be selling the books and making some money too on the whole thing. So. It all worked out really well, which leads me to think I might want to go after breweries. Cincinnati has so many craft breweries and there's a new Belgian beer called Astra. 
And I'm trying to find out who has it on tap because I think I could really be onto something if I go to the breweries that are selling Astra and do a kid's, you know, breweries are trying to entice families. They have board games and different things for the kiddos, Scrabble. So I may be able to do, you know, go to some breweries. So your mind is always working that way, Julie, in, t- in terms of the story. Oh, right? I can see it. Yeah, see it, it, feel it. Yeah, it goes back to, you know, pitching the folks at the local TV station for that job. It's pitching all your, your PR clients, you know, pitching the book, all this stuff where you, you naturally just try to think and you start to connect those dots very, very quickly in terms of here's how it can be done and here's how it can be presented and talked about. It's a, it's a wonderful skill. That's awesome. Well, it comes through as you're just having so much fun, you know, you're, you're loving life and it's, it's terrific. That's just uh, infectious in a good way. The bad thing is I can't turn <clears throat> off the brain. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's I'm, pretty I've tough, at, I bet. I'm going on little sleep. I'm up at like 4 a.m. when I think of things <clears throat> I have to do. But I mean, I'm excited about it. Eventually, I'll get sleep again. <laughs> well, I believe it. I bet on you. So so uh, curious, um, Captain Dan, um, how is he liking his new stardom is he you know is he the guy that likes likes the spotlight or he's one of those guys that prefers to be more in the more in the background well it all started when he was one of red book's five hottest husbands in america about 15 years ago when i nominated him (laughs) because you know me (laughs) (laughs) right um and there was a huge front page story like giant photo of us in the inquiry i didn't tell him that i did it until he was one of the top 10. And then I thought, oh, this is kind of getting serious. I might want to tell him I did this. But he forbade me from sending the link to vote to any of his Navy buddies or flying buddies at ABX Air, which is who he was flying for. If he had just let me do that. But we still were in the magazine as one of the top five finalists. So he, he didn't take too well to that. See, I would be flattered if someone did that to me, if someone said I was the hottest wife in America, but he didn't take it that's a, a man, man and woman thing. So he, he <laughs> hey, wasn't I don't really know about crazy that, Jack. about this. You know, see, <laughs> be, be, before Jack and I were working together, when my wife and I were still dating, we were down in Cancun, and I was named the sexiest man in Cancun, Jack, in 1996. So well, you're you know, the only guy there. All well, no, no, no. See, I was the only guy not taking his shirt off, and, I, and my wife was in the audience getting the entire <laughs> crowd riled up, and all the, all the ladies were going for me. She's like, that's my guy there. And so they all kind of came to me. I had a certain presence. About it. So I was embracing that back even, even back then, Jack. So it's okay. I never heard that story. Oh, I yeah. to check it out. <laughs> that's right. You better verify <laughs> that, right? That was prior before cell phone video, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it predates uh, all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, well, anyway, so Captain Dan, um, he is being a good sport. So he got me a pilot uniform so I can wear my little female pilot uniform. And he's agreed to come to any of the signing that, that he's available for. But what what he was, wasn't really excited about is I decided to tape a three-minute video to accompany the book. So I hired a videographer and Captain Dan um, went to the hangar and gave kids a tour of the outside, the exterior and the interior of Astra, telling them how she works, what makes her fly, what what the purpose of her wings are, her nose instruments, the tail, um, took them inside the cockpit, inside the cabin of the plane. And we put, I put a QR code in the back of the book in the glossary. I have a glossary of plane terminologies and kids can, or parents can scan that on their camera and Captain Dan gives them a tour of the real Astra. So he wasn't real crazy about doing it, but he did a great job and kids are loving it. So 
Well, I'm sure you're doing a good job of selling it to him and, and influencing him. And you can be very persuasive when, when needed be. And so that's, and that's great to see him supporting and, and kind of buying it. Because, you know, and, and we'll get into this a little bit. You, you have some ideas for additional books that you were talking about. But uh, before we get to that, I, I yeah. want to kind of, you, you, as you've gone through your history and, and you're very good at promoting stuff, I, I want you to, to, to kind of pause for a minute and talk about, because, yeah, you, not only are you good at promoting companies, you've also promoted about 20 authors, you said, right? But talk about how it's now different you know, promoting yourself, promoting your own book. Again, it's almost like, like doing surgery on yourself. Again, how has that been to be able to try to do that and try to promote your own book as an author and, and, and kind of what some of the challenges maybe have been with that and maybe some of the discoveries you've had as part of that, Julie? It's It's been a bit different, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, but I already had a big story in the Inquirer and it, it's still about who you know. I mean, a lot of it is. And I've been in this business a long time and know a lot, a lot of people. So it hasn't been that difficult. I mean, I'm not going to do get really aggressive with the PR until January because the book launches on March 2nd during Write to Read Week. And my big premier launch party event is March 5th at Joseph Bath here in Cincinnati. So I'll probably get really aggressive in January. Um, it, it is a little different writing a news release about yourself and trying to stay humble and factual because I'm, I'm good at puffery and building up other clients. So it, it, it's, it's been interesting, but I'm confident that I will, you know, be on every station and everywhere I can. So, you know, I'd like to go national too. I mean, I'd like to be on Good Morning America. I'd like, but you know, I'm not well known. It's my first time book. So it's not going to get too excited about that, but right. I'll try. Cool. We'll see. I did just find out um, Andy Cohen who's a Bravo host, his um, son, Ben, is a huge fan of space and airplanes. So I emailed his producer at Bravo, Andy, if you're listening, and um, I said, look, I don't want the book to get lost in the mailroom. I really want to sign this to Ben, and I would like to send him the book and the bookmark, Care of Andy. And the producer promised me that she'd get it to him. She was very nice and got back to me right away. So I'm, I'm hoping that Andy Cohen will fall in love with the book. I wish I could think of a few other celebrities that and get their contact information too. Oh, I'm sure you'll figure that out as you kind of go along. I mean, you, you've been very good at kind of piecing it together and having it in mind. And you, you know, you, you, you grab these different things and kind of put them together and weave a nice, a nice collective story. And yeah, uh, on that front, you know, I want to come back too because, you know, as we, as we, you know, we're prepping for this and it's often the case when we, when we bring entrepreneurs on here, we have a chance to kind of talk about, and, and reflect upon you know, some of the lessons maybe that you, you've learned through the years. And uh, you know, one of the themes that you've talked about is always staying in touch with people from your past. And you were just saying before, like you, you kind of know a lot of different people in that. And so tell people this, this story in terms of how you found your publisher for your, for your book in terms of how that oh, yeah. kind of, how far back did you go for that one in terms of, you know, getting that to, 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 to become reality? Yeah. Um, this is interesting. So um in the summer of 1977, I was an extra in the movie Grease with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. I was part of a nationwide talent search sponsored by Federated Department Stores and Paramount Studios. And they picked, I don't know how many winners, maybe 30 winners from, a, from major cities across the country and flew us all to LA. We had to audition and we were in the movie Grease in two scenes as extras. And one of the beautiful ladies that I was with named Connie Bowman and our parents hit it off and we hit it off. And um, she, I've stayed in touch with her all these years. Well, because of Facebook mainly. And she's 
um, a yoga instructor and an actress. And um, she just published a couple children's books. And I've seen her children's books on Facebook. And so I had gotten quite a few rejections of people saying they were too busy to take on any more children's authors. And I was getting frustrated. And I said, Connie, can you tell me who, you're, who you use as your publisher? And she said, oh, sure, I'll give you their name. There's an online forum. They're small and they only publish about 30 titles a year, but it's worth a shot. And so I went online and applied and gave them all my marketing ideas. And two weeks later was, you know, I signed with them. And so if it hadn't been for Connie leading me to the small publisher that wasn't in any of the directories that I had paid money for, uh, I would have never found Brandy Lane Publishers in Richmond, Virginia, a small independent publisher. Great folks. Excellent. And and for our for our trivia buffs out there, I think you mentioned you were in two scenes in the movie. What what two scenes were those that you're in? Well, the first scene was the scene where Olivia Newton John is singing Summer Nights in the outdoor lunchroom at Venice High School. We were shot, we shot on vacation. And I'm walking in the background, very small, running my hand through Michael Charbonne's hair, um, strolling along. And then you can you really have to be with me for me to say there, there, there. And then the second scene is the last day of school scene where Eve Arden um, plays the, uh, what is it, the xylophone and says, ding, 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 school's out for the year. And all the kids come running and screaming out the door. Michael, who's, he's also a TV personality who I've stayed in touch with through this whole thing. Michael Charbon, um, it was his idea that we'd be the first two out the door. We should have been the last two because they showed it in fast motion. It was like, the kids are running out the door screaming. If we had bit the tail end, we would have been on longer. So because we're first, you could barely see us. We're just a blip. But the cast party at Alan Carr's house and all the other things we got to do, it was just amazing. I have a million photos in my photo album. I'm sure it's a movie that everybody's familiar with and they've all seen and it looks like it's one of those movies that was not only fun to make but fun to watch and see and as you described it yeah you said you guys had a great time kind of doing it, it and, and, and get a little peek of that so but to your point you know you never know here's somebody that you met when you're 17 years old that all of a sudden now you're saying hey and you stay in touch and and, and who would have thought nice. you know that you know you would have needed but again a simple ask a simple question like that in order to, to make some connection and all of a sudden it's helping you out so the, the you know, a, people like that. Yeah, a friend from college, um, uh, Jeff No, he went to Miami with me. Um, 30 books are on their way to the Welsh Hills Inn. He owns the largest, one of the most top rated bed and breakfast in the country by Travel and Leisure Magazine, the Welsh Hills Inn up in Granville. He's selling the books in his gift shop now because he saw on Facebook that I had this. So they're on their way up there for some friends in Lebanon that are taking the books up today. Um, I have high school friends, um, a dentist, attorneys, who I now do PR work for. Um, my son's high school conditioning coach, Rocky Boyman. He's a former NFL linebacker. He's now um, an ESPN analyst um, covering college football, and he's also on WLW radio here. He just wrote a book called Rocky's Rules. We both have been helping each other with tips, and we both wrote um, reviews of each other's books. And we've really been sharing insight and helping one another and tagging each other in posts. Um, you know, two high school classmates, actually, I went to school with Edie Magnus. She was a correspondent at Dateline who's helped me a good deal when I needed help at NBC. Another high school classmate was the um, deputy bureau chief at CBS in LA. Um, and they both helped me a lot when I, they're both retired now, but when I needed help getting to the national reporters. So, 
it does does pay to stay in touch with people. You never know. It, it's something that that Jack and I talk about on the air. We talk about you know off the air as well. This whole concept of no like and trust, KLT, and, the, and and it's amazing that we say it's important to have that list with you because no matter what's going on in your, in your world, if you look at that list somebody or somebody's on that list can probably help you, right? And, and it's often hard to think of all those people at the top of our mind, but if we have a list there that we're, we're constantly going back to, it's amazing how they, how they'll do it. And the, the beauty of it is these are the folks that when you ask them for help are happy to help you, right? And so, you know, to your point, it makes things seem much easier. So that's a great, that's a great lesson. It's, it's some great examples in terms of just being able to stay in touch with those folks and how they kind of tap into it. One of the second things you talked about, which we, we've, we've touched on here in terms of kind of being the rule breaker, you talked about, you know, everything from, you know, creating your own job share, you know, situation to the, the, the stuff on the book in terms of, you know, inanimate objects and rhyming everything else. But something else you, you talked about as relates to this in terms of being the rule breaker, you said, don't be afraid to fail if you haven't, if you, if you really haven't succeeded, if you haven't failed at least once. So talk about that a little bit in terms of maybe, are there certain failures that kind of jump out at you and, you know, that, 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 that made a big difference for you in your career? in terms of kind of taking some of these risks or chances? A couple um, big failures happen because I'm more, I'm more right brain and I'm not as left brain or financially astute as I should be. And so I had a client that I had in the Wall Street Journal and he was unusual small business that was drilling oil wells in the Illinois basin. And he was, um, going after uh, wealthy people in Cincinnati um, to invest, each invest $10,000 in this company where he was going to find new oil sources. Um, anyway, I will not name him and he's no longer on this earth. He actually passed away. Um, but he, I had a big story on him in the small business column in the Wall Street Journal on how he came up with this company and he was drilling these new oil wells. It was called Ohio Energy Partners. And at, when the time came, he refused to pay me. And I was charging a placement fee. I charge a placement fee for my stories, especially in the national media. I charge a hefty fee for the Wall Street Journal. When it came time to pay, he didn't pay me. And weeks turned into months. Um, I had to take him to small claims court. It was so much work. It was more work than, than the money lost, but it was the principle of the thing at that point. So I took him to small claims court and there's still no way of making him pay after that. So I had to tell him that the bailiffs were gonna show up on his front porch and take him away in handcuffs if he didn't pay. <laughs> then the Wall Street Journal wrote a follow-up story on me called Making Them Pay. There we go. About lessons that I learned <laughs> and how I've learned to take money in advance, especially if it's a small business startup and I've started invoicing twice a month. So the, the, well, that was ages ago so that the cash flows were even, but um, I think that was one of the biggest failures is trusting someone and um, the, the business wasn't even legit. He just scammed all these people. I mean, the wall street journal reporter was appalled when I told her that, you know, I wasn't getting paid and she wrote the follow-up story and concluded me in the article. Um, so that was one of the biggest failures I'd say. That I've had in my career. Yeah, it's amazing. You aren't you aren't going to go through a whole career of, of X decades and not have some some miscues. They just have to happen, unfortunately. But I'll tell you, I did get a new client out of that because his attorney hired me. He gave me his card. He said, "Little lady, I saw and I saw you in action up there defending yourself." And uh, here you go. I hear you're in PR, and you got this guy on the Wall Street Journal and. So anyway, I started working with him and I promoted his book. He's 
an attorney and his book was called the inner jury so <clears throat> so you got that, that plus you got, you, you got the follow-up article in the journal too again so taking that lemons yeah. and making lemonade out of yeah. it that's, that's a wonderful thing all right <laughs> so the, the world breakers we, we have lots of examples of that and the, the, there's a, another theme you talk about and you call yourself the great and you don't call it, your friends call you the great connector right and yes. uh, you seem to get popular yes. emails to say hey julie do you know anyone who dot 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 right? so talk about that a little bit in terms of how you do that i do i get i get a lot of calls from the media and emails on a weekly basis saying, Julie, we figured you have a client or you know someone that can do a story on this. And I've, I, I, I'm always good to the media and I always find them someone, even if they're not a client, just because it all, it all comes back. Right. But um, I always try to partner people that I think have like-minded companies and that are, have synergistic marketing goals. Um, for example, I have a client, Andy Rayner, who's an author of many books and her, she's an ordained minister in New York and her one book called The Alphabet of Grief, it goes through the whole alphabet and talks about the stages of grieving after you lose a loved one. And my longtime clients at the cemetery, Arlington Memorial Gardens, um, hold an annual grief seminar. And I said, oh, why don't you get a speaker this year and I'll get Andy Rayner to come and then she can sign and sell her book. And we did that and it was a tremendous success. So I'm always, I cannot turn the light bulb off. I'm always thinking about ways to connect my clients and to partner them, even if they're not clients on various ventures. It's just, it's just built into me. That's awesome. And you know, it, what's fun about that is if people don't do that very much, it's, there's a, I don't know if it's a, if it's a dope me, whatever it is, there's a certain thrill to that, right? I mean, to your point, you know, to see people and connect them and then put them together and, just, and it works You're like, okay, you know, you know, we were talking actually with, with a client earlier today who's helping a, a, another client of ours. And we got a text from the other client yesterday said, hey, this is great. And they're celebrating. I'm like, it's, you know, for us, it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're high five and we got big smiles. That, you know, it feels so good to help them out. Right. And so it's a, it, it, it becomes addictive, right. To be able to help people out like that. So it does. I can see why you, you enjoy doing it so much and everybody kind of sees it. Plus you're, you're, you're obviously doing a great job because they keep asking you for it, right? So you're, you're obviously making good connections from that standpoint. So that's good. All right. So this has been, this has been wonderful. Um, but before, before we let you go, talk about the future a little bit. Because again, you, you've been through a lot. You, you, you share with the audience here, you know, you know, a lot of your story. But now here you are again, like we said, you're working, you're working two full-time gigs right now, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. What are you What are you thinking about? You know, what's the future hold for for the, the the PR business? What's the future hold maybe for for your book writing business? You know, what are you thinking about right now, Julie? Well, I can't quit the day job in PR just yet, and nor do I want to. So I'm still working with my long term clients. I'm actually working with a client who's an author whose book comes out the month before mine that I'm writing, and usually, so I'm booking her for the same interviews I'll be doing a month later. Um, you know, and I'm not going to be rich writing a children's book. So it's not, it's not a huge source of income. My last name is not Seuss. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's a labor of love. Like I said, it was never on my bucket list. So um, I think I'm going to be able to still balance the loyal clients that I've had for 15 or 20 years or more publishing the, the Astro books. I, I would like to get one a year out if the publisher's up for it. I need to, we need to move a little quicker on the second one. Um, there's been a nationwide paper shortage and various things that slowed down the first one. But um, I have a threshold to meet the, the numbers. The goal number is at least 3000 books to keep on publishing, which I hope I can do. So my goal would be to keep the, the long-term gigs and to keep the Astro books coming one at a time every year. The next book is Astro in Hollywood, which is already written. 
they all rhyme. And then the one after that is Asterisk Canine Rescue and she rescues the dogs from the California wildfires. Then I have an idea for Aster Overseas with the planes that speak various languages to teach kids a little bit about foreign countries and languages. I have a couple more ideas. Maybe Captain Dan thinks of leaving to fly a big 747 but then realizes he can't leave Astra. Or, I don't know. There's a bunch of ideas. I can that's a lot of fun. That's a lot Captain of fun. Dan, Captain Dan said the next book needs to add a flight attendant. <laughs> I'm like, no, Captain Dan. The grown-ups will like that, but he said, I'm the creative one here, not you. Let me be on the author. A cute female flight attendant. <laughs> of course. Of course. Oh, that's and wonderful. And Astra gets jealous of the female flight attendant. Anyway. There you go. See, okay. We can start then going to some adult versions of the book. That's, that's a separate Like separate you know how Disney. Day, right? Disney right. always has a few of those little adult things in the movies. That's right. You know, anyway. all we, just, we saw as kids, we, we didn't realize we saw them as adults. And oh, wait, there's there stuff for the adults in here, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. That's good. <clears throat> Well, Julie, this has been this has been wonderful. I really appreciate you you, you coming on to, to, to join us to be able to kind of share your story. Uh, yes, by who, all means. For the folks who've listened to us, we'll, we'll put uh, part of the show notes. We'll, we'll connect to uh, to Julie's company. It's called Flippy Whitney Communications. We'll put we'll put it, we'll put a thing there. Again, like you said, she's still doing her day day job. I'm guessing she'll take on some new clients if you're interested that she can help you out. You know, just you know, reach out to her and kind of call. We'll also put links for the for the Astra. Um, uh, we have a sell sheet that we, we kind of put out there as well. But we'll, we'll put it out there. It's coming out, and like you said, in in March of 2022. Uh, but we're very excited about it, and really appreciate you being you know, being on the show to kind of share your story with us and our and our audience today, Julie. Thank you, thank you both so much. It was really no, fun. Very, I love talking to you guys. You too. I hope it's not the last time. Do stay in touch. I'll help you all if I can. We, cer we certainly will. So um, so for audience, thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been another uh, episode of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. If you missed any of our prior ones, you can get them all on our website, uh, dirtysecretsofsmallbusiness.com. Uh, better yet, if you have a smart device, go to whatever podcast player you use, um, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Search for Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We usually drop a new episode every Thursday. I'll be delivered right to your right to your uh, right to your device. Um, if you're if you go to our, our website and click on the episodes, you can search there for if you have a question, put the question in, and usually it'll be multiple episodes that will address that question. If we can't find uh, an episode addressing the question, email us at radio at maximumvp.com or give us a call 877-849-0670. Happy to answer that question for you or create a show around that question to get answered for you as well. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk with you all next week. Bye.